Herbert outduels Mahomes. The Ravens kick another miracle. And Matt Nagy ruins yet another first-round quarterback. Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection. Welcome back, Nick. Before we get too far into it, I have to know your thoughts on a very obscure comment I heard this week. Uh, Your own Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, commented on his first-round draft pick, Micah Parsons. He said, he's pure as mother's milk. How does that make you feel? Well, so, Micah Parsons has been playing well, so it makes me feel pretty good. And if there's one guy who knows some things about liquid substances that are natural... It's Jerry Oilman Jones, right? I mean, absolutely. The, the guy knows his stuff. And, you know, he was smart about it too, right? He didn't come out and say, you know, he's only, Michael Parsons only played three games, right? He's still got a long way to go. Good start, long way to go. You know, if he would have come out and said, you know, Micah Parsons is like something more valuable, like, I don't know, oil, then maybe I'd feel a little differently and be like, whoa, Jerry, you're jumping the gun a little bit. Yeah, here. let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Like, we can go ahead and say, like, for the Cowboys, Troy Aikman was, like, high-octane, like, race fuel. Like, oh, yeah. there we go. And, like, I don't know. What would you, like, Tyron Smith would be like, I don't know, what do you think? Like, uh, like Just diesel. Like, yeah, Just solid diesel, diesel. Like, diesel. Oh, yeah. Grit, you know, salt of the earth, diesel fuel. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, and I don't even think Micah's at, you know, crude oil yet like Dak's probably like oh he's crude oil Dak's oh yeah he's there he hasn't done too much yet he hasn't like you know gotten to you too far in the playoffs yet but he's like he's getting there so oh, yeah uh, he I like the tempered words now that you put it that way tempered words he's it's a good mother's milk is a step down from crude oil so absolutely that's good leadership on his part another interesting thing here uh like I think we've talked about this earlier uh Huge missed opportunity. Huge. Uh, when I say the name to you, Taylor Heineke, what is that like in your head? Like, what image do you put up? I think of. Yeah, I think hard about this, but I think of. Uh, I think it's a good natural connection. Got to go with Heineken, right? The beer company. So you're telling me you don't see Bud Light. Bud no. Light doesn't ring a bell in your head. No, not at all. No connection whatsoever. I think Heineke, yeah. Heineke, Heineken goes together. Uh, well, he tried. He tried to get a deal with Heineken, a beer deal with Heineken. Uh, but I, I guess they said no, and Bud Light uh, wanted to seize the opportunity, so they stepped in. Taylor Heineke is now a Bud Light partner. So uh, that's a huge missed opportunity. Oh, oh, huge. And, and, and here's the thing, right? Like Heineke is, uh, <laughs> Heineken is the beer, right, that nobody, uh, nobody really thinks about, no one really even likes. Like, what's the team no one really ever thinks about? Oh, like, I mean, really Dan wants. Snyder, everybody hates. Everyone oh, hates yeah. Washington. Oh, yeah. So. It's, like a, it's like a match made in heaven. It's like a marketing synergy perfection. It's and a brand I, deal that can beat all other brand deals. It was, it was right there for Heineken's taking, and credit to Bud Light, dilly dilly. They took care of it. Yeah, Bud Light capitalizes again, official beer of the NFL. I wonder if they, like, stepped in and, like, hey, this is a, beer deals are our territory. You can't step in. <laughs> Um, uh, another match made in heaven, terrible coach and possibly a terrible player. Who knows? Uh, we talked about it earlier. Maybe Nagy is the problem, but the bears had 47 yards of offense, uh, last week. 
ninth worst NFL history. How does that make you feel? It just is so bad, right? I feel bad for Bears fans. I feel bad for football fans, the fact that it even exists, right? The Bears had one passing yard on Sunday. That's only one more yard than I had on Sunday. Just for to let all our listeners know, I don't play in the NFL. You know, zero that's yards. how zero yards. Like it's unbelievably bad how you know the Bears have been on offense. I think Fields is what since taking over for Dalton, the guys. 12 of 33 for maybe 100 yards passing. He hasn't scored a touchdown or even contributed to a touchdown yet. I mean, to be this bad on office, it's 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 a level of incompetence that it's, it's hard to think it's almost not intentional, right? Nagy's just not helping him out. It's exactly. Uh, it's, we, we can't even this early blame it on field yet, but they didn't no justice to him in the play calling. There's no naked boots. There is no play action. Like there's nothing to set up what uh would make Fields excel. They didn't give him the easy confidence building plays. They didn't give him a ton of screens. Uh they but they they might have thrown some screens, but they didn't work it in in the way that they should have to help him instill confidence. Passing is all about confidence. Well, confidence and rhythm, right? And the thing with the Bears is they have a few players, right? Allen Robinson's a decent receiver. They got a few good back guys. I mean, it's not a stacked offense, but this is an offense that should have more than 50 yards from scrimmage and one passing yard, right? And like your to your point, right, Nagy just didn't set him up for any sort of success, right? I would have thought with Fields after a full week of practice, they'd have RPOs, they'd have read oh, yeah. options, play actions, you know, maybe some deep shots to take advantage of his arm. None of that. It was just an awful game plan, an awful play calling during the game, and, and it resulted in bad execution. I, I, I tell you what, it's looking like right now that Nagy's on – I don't know if he's on the hot seat or if the seat's already on fire. I think he's on his way out the door. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think this may have been intentional in a way that's like some sort of insurance. Like Nagy, he's been bad. Uh, but he moved on from Trubisky. I didn't have my guy. Let me get my guy. And then I'll prove that I can be a good coach. Uh, well, he got his guy. It it was drafted in his time tenure there. So that's his guy by default. Uh, he's got the guy. And then he had Andy Dalton. And he would never, I think he was almost like, well, my guy's not ready. My guy's not ready. That's why he never named him the starter outright, like from the beginning. And he was like, you know, He's not ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. So now he might be like calling a bad game on purpose to be like, look, I told you he wasn't ready. You know, we need to go with Foles or we need to go with Dalton. Like we, it's not his time just to buy him extra time, but I don't, he might not even be there much longer anyway. So yeah, I think that's a full strategy, right? Cause he's dealing with GM Ryan Pace. Who's who he may be on the chopping block, right? If they don't oh, start winning, someone's going down and, yeah, whoever, so. and Pace has the option to pull the trigger first. So. Yeah, and I, I think I think Nagy's to blame, and especially with Eric Bieniemy down in Kansas City coming up to Chicago with Justin Fields potentially next year. That's looking like a move Ryan Pace is probably angling for right now. I think Nagy's on his on his way out. I don't know if there's anything he can do to help his cause now. Oh yeah, uh, something interesting I saw on uh, let's call it now officially it's Monday Night Manning. I'm sad they're taking uh, a few weeks off, but um, LeBron James, uh, they talked about during the NFL lockout that uh, Pete Carroll and Jerry Jones offered him a one-year deal, so to speak, to come play for the NFL for a season. How would you like uh, LeBron James, big 6'8 tight end on on your team? 
Yeah, so I think uh, <laughs> I don't know if he would have played tight end, right? I don't know if LeBron's doing any blocking. I think it would have been a fun, like, uh, I don't want to say gimmick. It definitely would have sold seats, right? So we talked about, uh, you know, smooth as mother's milk for uh, Micah Parsons. I don't know if LeBron James is oil as an NFL guy, but he's somewhere in between that milk and oil thing, right? Maybe he's a, maybe he's a, I tell you what, you know what he is? He's a nice, uh, nice Bud Light. That's what he is for Jerry Bud Jones. Light, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, in the NBA, he's he's definitely high octane. Oh yeah. Like he, in the NBA. He, he's high octane in the NBA, and maybe Jerry thinks, okay, if I can bring that down to a lower level and just get some form of success off jersey sales, whatever the thing is, you know, we can we can do something. We can work with this business. He's thinking business. He's not thinking football. Oh yeah. You think oh, yeah. Uh, LeBron had like jersey sales like worked into his deal somehow? Yeah, I think that, yeah, obviously if it would have happened, it would have been a gimmick, right? It would have just been Jerry seeing an opportunity to make, you know, five hundred billion dollars or you know, some ungodly amount that would have occurred. Every can you imagine fan in the world would buy a LeBron James? Can you imagine jersey? LeBron suiting like he didn't even have to play. Imagine suiting up on the sideline for an NFL game. I mean, I think ESPN would just explode. Like I, I honestly you wouldn't even think be able to see the game would explode. The whole game, it would just be cameras on LeBron. Oh look, LeBron James came to the NFL. So. Oh yeah, they wouldn't even put, they wouldn't even film the actual plays of the game. They just have it on LeBron the whole time. Uh, well, I don't know if you're able to see very clearly what I'm wearing. Uh, I have on a special gift that somebody so dearly bought me for my wedding, and uh, it's it was my lucky jersey. You know, I always wear this. Uh, jersey most of the time uh, to watch the game and a very special thing happened I now think this is definitely my lucky jersey Justin Tucker kicked an NFL record 66 yard field goal walk-off game winner incredible I I you know in my head I truly did think he was gonna make it because I think he's gonna make all of them I'm actually very like shocked when he misses anything um but now it's great to know that all you have to do is get it to the 50 and he has a chance. Uh, obviously an unbelievable kick, heartbreaker for Detroit, right? But I mean, it's it's just unbelievable to watch him do it. I think, and and I want to just come out and say publicly, credit to me for getting you. Uh, most people give a set of steak knives or some china as a wedding gift. I gave you a Justin Tucker jersey. Tucker kicks a 66-yard field goal. I think I kicked a 66-yard field goal. I think yeah, the transit you did property. Yeah, Tucker. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to take some credit to that. But, uh, no, obviously, unbelievable uh, performance by him. Great play. Um, heartbreaker for Detroit. Uh, you know, I, it, it's tough. They were outplayed the whole game anyway. But to, to lose on that one, especially after giving up the fourth and 20, you know, you got to feel for the Lions a little bit. But what a play. And, and, and people are talking that kick around the city. I tell you what, you know, everyone in the office. I had my car mechanic Monday was like, you see that kick? And I was like, I want to see your hands fix my car, dude. Like, you know, keep your hands where, you know, look where you're, look where you're working. But uh, it's, how was the city? Like, did you, did you feel like the pull, like the tension and then a sudden release of like, you know, people going insane? Could you, were your neighbors too loud that night? Well, I, I, th I think it's weird because, you know, it, it, it's a very, it's a, it's obviously a big football town, but it's almost very tame. Like people like afterwards were like kind of shy. They're like, did you see that kick? It's like, yeah. And then they exploded like, what a kick. Like it was, it was like, they're just like, Oh, let's not, let's not be too forward. Yeah. yeah. That's all I'll say. Whenever yeah. I go there, everyone's pretty nice uh, yeah. for the most part. So, uh, in other news, our jobs were jeopardized this week, yep. whether you want to believe it or not. 
Uh, someone tried to come into our space. I think we have securely locked down the NFL podcast space. Um, but Richard Sherman announced that he was going to start a podcast. The caveat being, obviously, he doesn't beat us on football knowledge, wits, or ecumen. But he said he would announce where he has decided to sign on this podcast. Great business move. The execution, horrible, because 12 hours later, the news breaks that he is going to Tampa, so now he's lost all momentum that he has built. Well, so I want to be very clear about this. Let's not go ahead and jump and criticize Richard Sherman too early, right? As, as you know, like being my roommate in college, when you, when you play college football, like obviously Richard Sherman did at Stanford, sometimes if you go for road games, you have to travel a few days before. So obviously what happened here is that Sherman missed one of his marketing classes that he was taking at Stanford, right? He was there for the Wednesday class where they talked about marketing and promotion, but unfortunately they had a big game probably going to Southern Cal. And so we, you know, we left to Southern California. So we missed the Friday morning lecture where they talked about execution of the marketing plan. Richard, come on, man. It's, come, you know, it's get, not come talk to us. We'll help you. We will. Ju- we'll take you as a guest. I'll go. We don't take guests, but we'll take you as a guest if you'd like to come on our podcast. We will make an exception for Richard Sherman so that way we can help him bring up his marketing promotion knowledge. Yeah. Well, in other news, I'd say second greatest marketer in the NFL, Jerry, is obviously first. Second, I would say Robert Kraft. He has a great uh, business model down there. Uh, he released a new book. In that book, he said, and I quote, Bill Belichick is the biggest effing a-hole in my life. I didn't hear the context, and he could have said, like, but I love him. But the quote I saw was, he's the biggest effing a-hole in my life. (laughs) What do you think? You think it's true? You know, well, obviously Robert Kraft's a billionaire and very, very successful. But I can just imagine if you're Robert Kraft and you, you know, work with Nike and Under Armour and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, on this, all this exotic gear and the latest technology. And then you see old Belichick walk in in a hoodie from like 1994 that's cut and shredded to pieces, you know, and you want to talk to Belichick. It's like, Hey Bill, how's it going? And he's just like, yeah, it's fine. We're on to Cincinnati. You know, I, I, I can see how Kraft gets a, a little miffed about that. You think like, uh, if Robert like invites Bill to like the Met Gala, he's like, where you're casual. Does he wear like a tuxedo cut off like hoodie? Does you think he's got one of those? Well, see, it all depends, right? Did he film the gala beforehand to see how it was going to be set up? Yeah. It, does he have the game film? Is he broken it down properly? Right. Did did he did he potentially, you know, deflate, you know, the uh the balloons and stuff and the gal, you know, the gala beforehand. I mean, these are all questions that, that you know, only Belichick would know the answers to, but I think these are the questions that would, would have to go into that. I, I think he probably did. I think he's got a beat on everything, but I also think he's the kind of guy that would just turn that offer down. So uh, I, nah, I'm past the Met Gala. We're on to, uh, you know, we're on Victoria's Saturday. secret model show. We're, we're past that. Anyways, uh, Stemming off the Patriots, they're the best of the bunch in this category, seeing as they're the only team with a win. But what is up with rookie quarterbacks? They suck this year. Well, you're right. They're the only ones with the win, but the only win they got was against uh, Wilson, New York Jets, right? I mean, one, that's, one person, one rookie had to have a win. Yeah, it was, it's yeah by default, right? I mean, and that's obviously Mac Jones. You know, 
I think a big part of this, right, is what we're seeing is a lot of these guys, Trevor Lawrence uh, from Clemson, Mac Jones from Alabama, Justin Fields from Ohio State. They came from these big marquee programs where they had just all kinds of talent around them. You know, they had better players, better coaches, heck, probably even better fans than a lot of their competition. So they were able to just ride that wave. I mean, it's a lot easier to to throw for a lot of touchdowns and yards when you're throwing a wide, wide open receivers or hitting short passes to running back and watching them run away. I, you know, in the NFL, you don't get that, right? It's a lot harder. It's a lot more competitive. The talent level is closer. And frankly, the teams are on, aren't very good. The Jags stink. The Bears stink. I mean, the Patriots are rebuilding. They're retooling. So I think it's just it's a challenging environment for these guys, and it doesn't help that they came from programs where they literally had the best talent 99 out of 100 games they played. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely agree with that one. And, you know, it's – but – I would say in recent years, uh, is am I misremembering or is this bunch especially bad to start off the year? Oh, they're really bad, right? I think uh, you know Wilson and Lawrence have especially been turnover bug. I mean, you had David Mills who jumped in for Houston. He kind of got through in the mix. You're not too upset at him, but you know Mac Jones has played okay, hasn't played great. Um, He hasn't been terrible, but. I, I think uh, Lawrence and Fields have, have really, really struggled. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, you just kind of expect a little bit more out of the first-round guy. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and finally, what are your thoughts? I read the stat, okay? Uh, Jamie Collins, career uh, grading average with New England, 90.0. Career Grading average with every other team, be it Browns, uh, Detroit, any other team he was on. I think he's on one more, if I can't remember. Uh, 56.0. Is he a double agent for the Patriots just to go out there? He does great, gets a huge contract from another team, gets the money, sucks, and then gets cut and goes back to New England. Yeah, so I think really what he is, we talked about Sherman, right, and how he needs to be better at marketing, maybe a little bit more business-minded. We talked about Heineke and Heineke and that missed opportunity. Let's give some positive credit out to, to Collins, right? He's got it figured out. He goes Marketer to extraordinary. Marketing businessman extraordinary. He goes to New England, has a couple of really good years. Then he just rides the coattails for the last five years, jumping around from team to team. He gets to you know, miss a few games due to injury, not play as well. He still gets paid millions and millions of dollars. Let's give big props, big kudos to Jamie Collins, smart businessman, businessman extraordinaire. This is my this is my idea. I know Jeffy B just step stepped down recently. Amazon is trying to get. We talked about this last week. Last week they're trying to get streaming rights to the NFL and buy a team. Who is the perfect CEO to put in place to bridge that gap? Jamie Collins, new CEO of Amazon. I think I think that would be a good. Good fit. So don't don't shoot it down. Let's just think about it, Jeff. Think about it. So uh, before we get to our deep dive topic, so we reach deep down in our big brains and tell everyone how smart we are, let's warm those brains up. I have a trivia question for you. Uh, this one, I don't, I really don't know if it will be difficult or not. I have a couple hints for you, but uh. Let's see if you know it. You probably will. It's a little more of a historic fact, but who was the first player to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? Oh, my gosh. Uh, was that Van Buren? Uh, it was not. Would you like a hint? Yeah, give uh, me a hint. Here was the hint. 
they played for the Chicago Bears. Uh, he actually ran for 1,004 yards, and this was in 1934. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to know this guy's name. I know I'm, I'm, I've I know this the fact. Yeah, but I'll, I'm not going to know it. Who is it? Uh, Beatty Feathers. Yep. Yep. Beatty Feathers. So, uh, I th- I think that one you know a little bit more obscure, but uh. I think you you probably you, you would have known him better than I would. I have no idea. I don't even know who well, that guy well, is. Well, Van Buren was a big running back in the '40s for the Eagles, so that was kind of where I was thinking he's a Hall of Famer. Um, but yeah, I would not have gotten feathers. I you know once you said Chicago, it kind of jogged something in my memory, but I would not never have gotten that. That's a good one. Good good trivia one. Good hard one. All right. Um, moving on now that our brains are properly warmed up, you had to think. Uh, Let's move on to our deep dive topic of the week. Should star players have to be role models? Do you want to start or would you like me to start? Yeah, I'll start with this. So I think there's a couple different factors to this, right? The first one is I think we're very quick to forget, you know, that how these guys usually, especially the younger guys, they're right out of college. These guys are 21, 22, 23, right? And so, you know, I'm not too far removed from that. I know you're not either. You know, the level of maturity at that age, 20, 21, 22, is not anywhere where you'd want anything to do with being a role model or a leader in the community or anything like that. You give me fame, fortune, and, uh, you know, notoriety at that age, I, I might not be here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I have, a, I have a good rule of thumb, right? Everyone is an idiot until they're 25, you know, and, and I think a lot of these guys, these younger players, you know, they're still going through that. They're just very rich and famous. It's obvious. I don't know if you knew this, but it's because when you turn 25, that's when your prefrontal cortex is fully developed. Oh, I, I did not know that, but... So that, well. that, that's why uh, your decision-making gets better. You're less impulsive. So let's see, let's see how some of these young guys, when they hit 25, what they're looking like. Yeah. Well, and I think the other part of it too is right. Even as they get older, right. The ones that last, they've been in the NFL for a while. They've gone through the, you know, the fame and the the notoriety and the money. They're now kind of separated, right. From, from the society, right. They're not like you and I, they don't go to the same bars, restaurants, and, you know, stores, right. Cause they're, no. they're separate. What, you know, whether it's fame and paparazzi or, or media that's hounding them, or it's just money, they have access to different things. You know, they don't live the same way, you know, a lot of ordinary people live, right? So they get kind of in this bubble. They get kind of like in a Hollywood-esque kind of bubble where they live their own life. And that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think when you when you see like the media put a lot of pressure on these guys to, to be role models and activists in their communities, I think that's not really fair because these guys are now disconnected from those same communities that they're supposed to be or encouraged or even kind of almost coerced to be activists for, right? And they're separate. I mean, no one goes up to Brad Pitt in Hollywood or Tom Cruise and says, hey, I demand you, you know, support this cause or, you know, or, or support this little hometown or, or come back here and give all your friends jobs or, or pick up trash in the highway or whatever. It's like, no one expects that because they understand these guys are, you know, they're separate. Know where Brad Pitt's hometown is. I think NFL does a better job of that, at least. I think a lot of these guys at least respect their hometown. So they're doing something right. Well, I, th- I think it's, Right. With a lot of these guys, I think they feel the pressure to do so. And I think that's the problem. I think they oh, yeah. feel like they have to. My, right? my approach to this question is a little different. It was a two-pronged approach. And I agree. 
in the sense that if you want to be a uh, star player and have it tiered into two, we got superstar players and star players. If you want to be a star player and you want your accolades to be on the field and no one to dive into your personal life, that is fine. But if you're expecting more media exposure, more opportunities like analyst gigs afterwards, uh, you know, get on TV commercials, be the guy for someone's brand. If you want to be this superstar where your career uh, elevates off of the football field and into the public, I think you do have to be a role model. Otherwise, you're not going to get those jobs. You think of superstar guys who do these things. You think of uh, J.J. Watt, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Russell Wilson, Calais Campbell, Peyton Manning. Any anyone who's like eligible for Walter Peyton Man of the Year, that those guys seem to do pretty good. Uh, so it, those those guys are the ones who are great athletes, great players at their position, but they're elevating. Their role model status, they're being good role models. You don't ever really see any problems with those guys. And they're getting the, their career is bigger than football. They're outside of life. You see them on TV. You see what happened to Peyton Manning. You see Drew Brees on ESPN now. Uh, even guys like uh, Robert Griffin III, he wasn't necessarily, he was a superstar as a rookie. Uh, he kind of fizzled out, but he was a good role model. And he's even on ESPN now. Uh but you don't see guys like guys who I have as star players who aren't role models. You don't see Antonio Brown going on TV after this. Unless he has a reality show about how crazy his life is. You don't see Roethlisberger eyeing a, a job at ESPN for an analyst. Ryan Leaf isn't going out there doing things. Deshaun Jackson with his you know uh, opinions and ideas. He's not going out there. Plexico Burris, Pac-Man Jones... Uh, the one example I do have, but it's almost like a redemption story. Michael Vick, before his career, uh, I'll say Falcons, Eagles. So pre-incident on Falcons, he was this superstar, but he wasn't a role model. And then that killed his career, lost a lot of notoriety. Then he went to jail. He came back, went to the Eagles and Steelers, and I think he had a really different mentality about people really care what I do and they see and he almost had a wake-up call and now you see he's an analyst as well he's doing good because after that his superstar status was there but he had to get the role model status and that's what allowed him to get there well and I think the big thing is choices the players make right you know I have no problem if a player you know is solely focused on their craft and you know they don't want any distractions they're focusing only be on an NFL player that's perfectly fine. No problem with that at all. And that's what they can do and, and be very successful that way. I think, you know, and players can also choose to be role models. There's a bunch of different ways to do that. Like, you know, like you and I, you know, we've talked about Gronkowski before Rob Gronkowski, you know, he's certainly a different breed of role model. Yeah. Um, but with, with, he's still a role model. I think he's not a bad player to look up to. No, not at all. I just think it's a, it's, it's a different animal, uh, you know, how, how it's uh, handled. And he, I think he was successful. He could handle it. Right. And, and he made uh, he made the choices to be the role model he wanted to be or be the player and, 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 and outside of football, the person he wanted to be. Right. I think what happens is this the media tries to pigeonhole athletes and, and these players to fit into certain uh, 
certain roles outside the game. And a lot of players feel like they have to do it. They have to, you know, do stuff, whether it's for their hometown or their current city or, or support certain causes or give certain money to certain things um, just to fulfill the role the media thinks they should be in. And I think that's wrong. I think these players should, should focus and make the choices they want to make. If they want to focus on supporting certain causes or doing certain things, you know, outside of, outside of the game, that's their right. If they want to focus on just being the game, that's their right too. Um, I think, I think that's uh, what you touched on there is huge focus. If you're able to focus and I have an example who has been on a lot of commercials lately, especially last year after two Super Bowl appearances. And now their team hasn't started off so hot. Maybe they lost that focus. Patrick, got got anything to say about that, Pat? We're talking to you. So, I mean, you you get that stardom. You get that superstardom. All eyes on you. You start to accept these gigs. Do you have the focus? Maybe he needs to back off a little bit. Get his head back in the playbook. Well, and I think what happens, right, is players and obviously the Chiefs, you know, they're off to a little bit of a slow start, but it's early. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, we talked about a little preseason uh, in our preseason episode, the Chiefs, you know, they're, they're not very good on defense. They've taken some steps back offensively. They're getting older and slower. So that puts more burden on Mahomes. He's got to handle more and more of that load. But the problem is, as he gets more notoriety and, 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 and fame and opportunities come up, he actually loses focus on the game, whereas he needs to actually focus more on the game, right? And I think that's what guys like Manning and Brady and, and Rodgers, in a lot of ways, have focused more on specifically the game. And if it's not the game, it's one or two other things they want to focus on, not necessarily some side projects to try and take on. You know, and I think we'll, we'll see how Mahomes and the Chiefs perform. But I think you're on to something there, right? There's only so many hours in the day. And in a hyper-competitive world that the NFL is, and talent is so close, you know, between teams and even players, where if you shift your focus slightly, that can mean the difference between winning a game and losing a game. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that was very insightful. you have any other comments on the subject? I think, I think we're good. I think that was... Uh, so, basically... If you want, I don't think you should have to be one. I think that's where we're at. If you don't want to be a role model, you shouldn't have to be. You shouldn't have to be in the focus of attention. But if you expect something, maybe, you know, you should just look at what you're doing off the field. Uh, and I think the, the tie-in with Patrick Mahomes leads us exactly into our next segment. Worst of first, AFC West. How was that? slow start affected his ranking in our power rankings well i guess we're about to find out um i'll, I'll go first this I'll, I'll list uh my four we'll do a little different this week I'll, I'll start at four and list mine up to one uh provide my reasons that i'll hand it off to you uh, and have you list yours all right uh, all right cool I'll, I'll get us going number four for me then that's the denver broncos right a little bit of a surprise here because they're three and oh they're undefeated Look, they haven't played anybody. We all know it. You know, they beat a bad Giants team. They beat the Jaguars. They killed uh, the New York Jets. You know, great job. You're 3-0 against three teams that are 0-9. So that's not exactly an impressive schedule. Look, I get it. Bridgewater's an upgrade. You know, they've got some offensive players. Their defense is solid. But until they play anybody good, and they get Baltimore this weekend, they have a chance to prove me wrong. I don't think they're anything special. Maybe they get it to seven or eight wins. I kind of doubt it at this point. We'll see. They're my number four. 
Number three, we just talked about it. They have the worst record in the division, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They're one and two. It could be 0 and three. Cleveland had them on the ropes week one. They got bailed out by a Cleveland special teams blunder. Mahomes had the worst September of his career. He has three picks already in his first three games. They haven't been nearly as efficient on offense. They're really bad in defense. Big shocker here. They are tied with the Detroit Lions at last place for the most points given up in the NFL. This is not a good defensive football team. You know, they're, they're, they're forcing not enough turnovers to overcome it. The offense is turning the ball over. We'll see how Kansas City and Mahomes and Andy Reid turn this around. They've got a battle in front of them here for the rest of the year. Uh, number two for me, and that's Las Vegas Raiders. Look, they're 3-0. and It's exciting. Gruden and Derek Carr, they got that funny little dynamic there. It's very entertaining. But look, they've won two games in overtime by the skin of their teeth. They had some struggles against Pittsburgh. They're playing good football. I see this as a team that could probably sneak into the playoffs, you know, win 10 games or so. I've got some issues with defense. I've got some issues with that offensive line. It's a revamped offensive line. Look, Darren Waller's a beast. They've got speed. Ruggs look to be coming into his own. You know, Derek Carr, Gruden, their whole thing. They're a good team, not a great team. They're my number two. Number one, I'm going with Los Angeles Chargers here. I am very, very impressed. You know, we talked about it in the opener, right? Uh, Herbert outdueling Mahomes in Kansas City. That doesn't happen, especially early in the year before weather makes a big effect on passing offenses. Herbert, I am blown away with his arm talent. This guy makes throws week in and week out. is staggering. He's got a good offensive line, good running game. Eckler is a heck of a guy out of the backfield and running in between the tackles. They got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen at wide receiver. They got uh, Jared Cook, veteran tight end, and look over at defense. They got that pass rush, pass rusher in Bosa. They got Derwin James on the back end. This is a talented team top to bottom. I think they're probably the second best team in the AFC right now. I think the Chargers are the best team in that division. So just quick recap. I got Chargers at one. I got the Raiders at two. I got the Chiefs at three. And I've got the Broncos at four. So, and I respect you your opinion uh, reserving first in the AFC for Baltimore. Who, who do you have there? Who do you think is the best team in the AFC? The best team in the AFC? Yeah, so I think right now it is Baltimore. I think beating Kansas City actually set them apart. I think the AFC is wide open. I think it, uh, it's, it's crazy this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very tight um, and tightly competitive. I, I don't see anyone really jumping out of the pack. Maybe Buffalo, but I, you know, I'm just not sold on, you know, I, I think I take Jack. I, I know Allen beat Jackson in the playoffs last year. I think Allen uh, maybe takes a step back. You know, I, I, I think it's Buff. I think it's a, that's our, that's yeah. our game plan. We let you beat us once and then we figure mm-hmm. out and come back next year and get you. Yeah. So I think I have Baltimore uh, chargers and then Buffalo are probably my top three teams. Well, uh, I'm glad that you gave your list. Because uh, I'm very familiar. They say great minds think alike. Uh, in my fourth slot, I have the Denver Broncos. Uh, obviously, they beat the worst of the worst. Uh, none, All three teams suck. I couldn't even tell you which one sucks the most. Uh, maybe the Giants because they've had time to mesh and they still suck. But the Broncos, they haven't beaten anyone. Until they beat somebody who's good, I'm out on the Broncos. Not, I'm not buying it. In my three spot, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. How ironic. Uh, yeah, they've lost some tough games, and they almost got beat by a good Browns team. Um, they, they, just, they don't seem the same. They are slower. They aren't as dynamic on offense. Uh, defense is absolutely atrocious. 
Uh, they look very mortal as compared to other years. And maybe this uh, loss to Tampa in the Super Bowl has really messed with their mojo. Um, and I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but in my number two spot, I have the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they've gone off to a fast 3-0 start. Uh, but, but, they haven't really faced a great team yet. Uh, they got Baltimore early, but that was, you know, their Baltimore's hurt. They hadn't really found their groove with all of the new players who had stepped in, and they took them to overtime still. So if you can't overcome a week one team with 14 players on the IR, uh, it brings some questions to mind. But the the true thing is I have Chargers in my number one spot. Whoever wins this game uh, this week, Chargers versus Raiders, that is who's number one. If the Raiders can beat the Chargers, I will cement them at the top of the AFC West. If the Chargers can beat the Raiders, I think they definitely solidify their spot there. Uh, they are now top of the AFC West for me, and I am betting that they will stay there after this week. Yeah, I, I got to give you credit there, Miles. That is an absolutely outstanding ranking. That's. I thought it was good. I thought, you know, this 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 guy, he's this guy. I picked him as a, a partner for a reason. I, yeah. you know, I think all these years together, uh, our minds have started to mesh, and speaking with each other so much during the weeks now. If this next top five is similar, I don't know what to do. Maybe we need to like, you know, step back. You know, our, we're we're in the same headspace. We're basically thinking the same exact things now. Uh, right. But that leads us to our top five segment. Um, how do you how do you feel about this one? What did you think about the topic that we chose? Top five NFL uniforms of twenty twenty one. Yeah, so for me, I am far from an artsy, uh, artistic guy. When I think of football, I don't think of uniforms. So this was this was the hardest segment for me. I've had to think about for a while. Uh, so I'm interested to see how this goes. Uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you get us going and see where we end up? All right. Uh, number five here, more of like a nostalgic classic look, but maybe a modern update to it. Indianapolis Colts here. Love the uniform. Uh, I like the horseshoe. Uh, maybe Baltimore Colts are striking memories. I obviously left Baltimore off the list. I don't like to be biased. So I put the next best thing, another team that was in Baltimore, on my list. At number five, Indianapolis Colts. Like the blue, uh, when they go all white like that, I like the blue as well. I think of Peyton Manning. You know, iconic, iconic jersey. Another iconic jersey for me is Green Bay Packers. Uh, a few years ago, they had the yellow helmets, green jerseys, and white pants. And I was like, eh, not doing it. Recently, like in the last five to six years, they switched to yellow pants. That really changed everything for me. Uh, The yellow pants, green jerseys, yellow helmet, it really just sets the look for me. They're obviously iconic. You know, you think Brett Favre, you think, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Bart Starr, anybody in the green and yellow it's iconic look it's one of the oldest teams in history and it's just it's built his name no one else has a color scheme like that um number three and this is so much i like the change from what they were before a lot cincinnati Bengals. i always like the tiger theme i like the helmets the helmets are cool orange with the tiger stripes on it they used to have the ugly orange shoulder pads with the tiger stripes there 
hated those uniforms, did not think they were great. I'm glad they have updated them. Uh, it's now all black with more accents on the sides and the numbers. I think it looks really classy tiger stripes. I don't know if that's like a fashion word. Cla Can you do classy tiger stripes? Uh, we'll see. Um, maybe Bill wears that to his next Met Gala. I don't know. Uh, but Bengals are in my three spot. Two. Now, this is where I put my my personal bias on these less of more iconic jerseys. Seattle Seahawks electric green alternate jerseys are that does it for me. I love the color. I've always liked uh, like Oregon teams that wear that color as well. Uh, I think it is vibrant, but not too vibrant. I think it sh sets them apart. And I think like when Baltimore wears their all black alternate, wearing those uniforms brings a certain juice to the game. I don't know why you probably experienced this in school in at footballs, when you get a new uniform, when you get new uh, alternates, it just pumps the team up. It, if for not for a game, one game a year when they wear these electric green alternates, it really gets the team going. So I, I think that the, the whole precipice of that idea, and I just like the color. It's an odd color. People, it's bold to go with that choice. And then number one spot for me. Uh, goes back to my childhood. I wasn't always a Ravens fan. I probably switched when I was 10. I used to be a San Diego Chargers fan, but now they're LA Chargers. And I love the powder blues. I'm glad they have made that their home jersey now, like officially. Powder blue jerseys, Los Angeles Chargers. Reminds me of Sean Merriman. Reminds me of LaDainian Tomlinson. Love that color. I love everything about it. And I think that it is a... Very nice uniform. And that's that's my list. And for my six, my underdog uniform uh, is purple. I had to put purple on the list somewhere if I couldn't pick Baltimore. I have the Minnesota Vikings. I like the purple. Love the Viking horns on the helmet. I like, uh, instead of a logo, it's almost like an extra add-on to the helmet. It's like the helmet has Viking horns. But one day, I hope... They actually put physical horns on the helmet. It could give them an advantage, but that is my list so far. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I mean, it's pretty pretty good. I mean, to your point, you know, about uh, uniforms getting the team excited. I was never one of those guys, but you know, you're telling me when the Citadel came out with the new South Carolina logo on the side of the helmet, that didn't get you pumped up. I did not care at all, but I will tell you this. Uh, there were certain uniform combinations that players did get excited for and were really uh, excited and pumped up to see. So I didn't get it, but some people did. There's something to it. Would you say it elevated play that that day that you wore those uniforms? You know, it's hard to tell, right, because we weren't very good, so we lost a lot of games. Um, I guess we could have been worse, right? So maybe it did. Let's go with that. All right. But, all right, my list. So – like I said, this is kind of a different kind of topic for me football-wise. So I'm going to be the old stodgy get-off-my-yard classic guy here. So I'm going to go with number five. I'm going with the Browns when they were white at home. I think it's just a cool look. It takes me back to the, the videos and images of Jim Brown and Ernest Biner. I you know, Bernie, this is going. Bernie Kosar and those guys and and those old, old, old games and those classic matchups. I just think it's a cool look. You see the mud on the jersey. It just looks like football. All right, number four for me on that same kind of theme, 
it's the old San Francisco home jersey. They got kind of the garnet thing going on. When I see that, like they wore Sunday night against uh, Green Bay, kind of reminds me of Joe Montana hitting John Taylor in the back of the end zone, right? Obviously, I was before my time, but I, I grew up watching those highlights and the NFL game of the game, you know, the NFL game of the century kind of deals. Those things were awesome. I really liked it. it just kind of reminds me of football in the 80s with Joe Montana, West Coast offense kind of thing. Number three, I'm kind of summing with you here. That's Green Bay Packers. I love the. I can get on board with that. Yeah, I, I love the green at home. I think it's cool. You know, you got kind of a Brett Favre. You got kind of the Bart Starr kind of classic thing going on. Ice Bowl, all kind of cool stuff happening. I tell you what, I don't know if it's just Green Bay. You got quarterbacks that like to scramble and gunslingers and stuff. It's just something about you know Green Bay wearing green quarterback rolling outside the pocket. Whether it's Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, just kind of a cool deal there. Uh, number two, I don't know if it's a good uniform aesthetically, but I think it's kind of kind of interesting and fun. The Raiders, when they were all black at home, I think that's awesome. It's just basically there's no style. There's no substance. There's no flash. There's no Instagram. You're not putting that on Snap, uh, Snapchat or, 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 or Facegram face or Instagram or Facebook or yeah, whatever the kids call it these days. It's just lining up and playing football. You know, no one can see the dirt. Doesn't matter. It's going to be just all dirt anyway. It's all black. I love it. Brings you back to John Madden. Well, oh yeah, like uh, at least the videos of him. That was uh, not something I ever saw. But black uh, hole. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, number uh, number one, and, and hey, look, you know, you and I both talk about every show. We got to remove our biases. So I'm definitely gonna like you did remove my bias completely. 100 unbiased pick. Number one jersey. Dallas Cowboys wearing white at home. I tell you what, there's something just American and just sleek and cool of just wearing the white jersey, the silver helmets, the, you know, the silver pants, you know, the white shoes. You got that in Cowboy Stadium, the old Texas Stadium, right? Don't know if you know this or not, but a little history behind. So Dallas was one of the first teams to wear white at home. The reason they did that, so when teams came to play Tex- uh, came to Texas to play Dallas, they didn't have to wear their dark home jerseys while Dallas was wearing white. They get all you know tired and worn out playing in the sun all day. That was the theory. That's the story. Don't know if it's true or not, but it just the whole jersey thing, the white at home looks cool. America's team. It just feels like the way uh, you know, American football and, and just all those things that are great, the way it should be played. I think it's cool. I really like it. Unbiased, of course. And then uh my honorable mention jersey. I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know why the team usually stinks. The jersey's obviously new. The team's new, but I just think it's a cool look, right? It just they changed it recently. I think you and I talked about that to their newer design. I think it's pretty Those cool. Ugly old, yeah, gold yeah. to black ombre fade. Yeah, whatever that was, that was bad. But the new, the new, uh, the new setup now is pretty cool. I think it's a good look, and uh, they're my honorable mention. So, uh, I guess to recap, I mean, there's Cowboys number one, and then there's uh everybody else. So. Yeah, that's no my list. Matters. That's my list. All right. That was great. I, recap, I had Chargers, Seahawks, Bengals, Packers, Colts, Vikings, honorable mention. Yeah. So that's that's good. How'd you like that? I mean, that's out of your realm. You know, there's no stats involved. It's a pure opinion piece, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it's it's just a different way of looking at it, something I really don't think about. But I know it's a big deal to a lot of people, and I play with people. It was a big deal, the uniforms we're wearing. I mean, it's, it may surprise a lot of fans and a lot of followers of the game, but there are people, players, coaches, the whole the whole nine that take it very, very seriously. I can understand. I can get behind. Uh, let's see if these uniform combinations maybe can juice up some teams that we're going to pick this week. Uh, maybe we should 
add in what uniforms they're going to wear to our selection. I don't know if we'll know that yet or not, but, uh, uh, you know, that, that could give us a little bit of insight on our weekly pick on our top matchups of the week. You know, are the Seahawks wearing green? Does that help answer my questions? Who knows? Uh, here, you go first on our first game, and I will go first on the second game. So, firstly, uh, Bucks versus Pats. Yeah, so obviously Brady returning to New England, right? It's all over uh, sports media. It's all over freaking, you know, frankly, it's all over regular media. You know, it is a big story and obviously all that, but I think it's just a game, like I talk about all the time, it's a game of matchups, right? And I think the uh, Bucks team, they're deeper, they're more talented, they're a veteran team. They're coming off a loss. Veteran teams and veteran coaches, Bruce Arians obviously is, they respond well to losses, right? And I think they're going to respond really well to the loss and uh, that they had last week against the Rams in new England. You know, I like a lot of things Mac Jones has done at quarterback for new England, but they, they, they're starting to get banged up a little bit. James white is out for the year. They haven't been great on offense at all. They've, they forced a lot of turnovers on defense. I don't think they're going to get them with Brady, you know, as much as I think Belichick with time is going to put together some kind of creative game plan to really, uh, really kind of constrict Brady and make their offense, you know, have some struggles. You know, I'm going with the Bucks here. I think there's just too much to overcome for New England. Uh, I, I guess I would agree with you for different reasons. Obviously, we missed some key Patriots returning. Uh, Patriot legend Rob Gronkowski is going to be back. He might get juiced for the game. Also, Patriots legend Antonio Brown will be playing. Um, yes. So they, they might get a little bit of extra excitement. Um, and another point that I think will really gas Brady up, maybe not so much going back to New England, but knowing that New England is the last team out of 32 that he needs to beat to say that he has beaten every NFL team. Uh, I think that's a very important fact, and I think that is what gives him an extra boost to play, play for. Now he's a reason to play. He's already won all the championships. He's won a championship with another team. He's proved his point. Now he just needs to beat all 32 teams to check that box. So, yeah, yeah, I think he definitely wants to. I think he wants to beat New England, right? And I think if anything, that's what Belichick can use against them and force some turnovers and and maybe make some plays against Brady. I just think the Bucs are too talented, right? I mean, do you think it's like impossible? Like, do you think they could score 50? Do you think it's possible? I think Brady will try. I don't think so. To me, this kind of looks like a 27 to 10. You know, if it's a blowout, it's like 27 to 10. I think it'll actually be a close game, but I think the Bucks will win. Interesting. I don't think it gets too high scoring. I think that the Patriots defense is too good. The Bucks defense is too good. Um, it's a, it's going to be a relatively low scoring game. And obviously you do take bias out of everything, but to counteract any bias that could be, I will give my thoughts on the Cowboys versus the Panthers uh, to begin. I think both teams are off to a hot streak. Uh, Cowboys 2-1, Panthers 3-0. Cowboys' only loss comes to the Bucks, who are defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, week 1, you know, Dak just got back, and it was so close. So, such a close game, uh, anyone could have won. So, that's not really the way uh, that we can't at- tick that off. I think they're both on hot streaks. Both have incredible wins. The... Uh, Cowboys just beat the Chargers um, er, and uh, the Eagles last week on Monday night. Um, the one thing that the Panthers have had happen that I really think is going to hinder them, star 
rookie cornerback J.C. Horn is hurt, and he could be hurt for the foreseeable future. I think losing one of your key secondary pieces when you come up against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys' elite passing attack is really going to hurt you. And that passing attack, uh, Gallup, who is also hurt, but if he was there, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper is the leader. Uh, They remind me of a great Pittsburgh receiving core where it's Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, Mike Wallace. And what did they call themselves? The Bugatti Boys. Now, that might be a Pittsburgh, Steel Town type of phrase, but that's not really a good old Southern Texas cowboy phrase. I am now renaming them the Clydesdale Boys. So Dak and the Clydesdales, I think they're going to be way too much to handle for Carolina. I think they win 10, 14 points. Dak and the Clydesdale sounds like a bluegrass band you you find like playing on a random Wednesday night in the middle of uh, Oklahoma. And I'll be disappointed if they don't capitalize on that opportunity. I've seen (laughs) Dak wear a cowboy hat. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. So I think uh, my feelings on this game, you know, like I always talk about matchups. I think one of the interesting things about this is both teams have some key injuries, but there are injuries that are mirrors of each other. And what I mean by that is we talked about JC Horn being hurt. Well, Michael Gallup is hurt. Uh, Amari Cooper's coming off an injury. He's, he's been slowed a little by that. So I think even though JC Horn is hurt for Carolina, Dallas has corresponding injuries on their side. Um, obviously Christian McCaffrey pulled his hamstring last week, huge loss for Carolina, but Dallas's defense, their front seven has a lot of injuries. Demarcus Lawrence is still out, obviously, a couple other guys as well. So I think, you know, those kind of matchups where you think a key injury would shift it one way or the other, they both kind of shift against each other. Um, I think Dallas's defense has surprised a lot of people, but they've done it mainly with turnovers. That's really not sustainable game to game, um, especially with Darnold, who getting away from Adam Gase and the Jets, he's been much better with the football. Yeah, he does. He's taking care of the football, making good throws, making good decisions. Um, I, I think Darnold does well against Dallas. I don't think he has any turnovers. I think Prescott, who, by the way, he's played very well, but he's had a turnover in each of Dallas's first three starts. I think there's a chance he has a turnover or two in there, and I think that keeps the game very, very close. I think it's a close game. I could see this one going 24-21. But I, in the end, I think Prescott in that offense, is I trust a little more than Darnold in, in the Carolina offense. So that's why I'm leaning this one to Dallas. Come on, Nate. Get a little bit more aggressive on here i say uh darnold has two pick sixes no no digs digs is looking good out there and i i saw this fact uh we haven't discussed it yet micah parsons has yet to declare uh whether he'll be at linebacker or defensive end and he says you know it's it's a cool thing you can keep them guessing they don't know what to prepare for i think it's pretty obvious he's gonna stay at defensive end be almost crazy uh, if you have the depth at linebacker, I know you have more depth at end than linebacker, but if someone can replace him, he looks he looks like that'll be his resting place when all is said and done. Yeah, he's passed, he's, he's rushed the passer very, very well. I think he's a third down situational pass rusher. I like him being off the ball. I, I don't want him to get bulldozed, bulldozed by uh, offensive tackles all game, right, because he's still a little bit smaller compared to defensive ends but definitely in third down situations, he's been absolutely outstanding. He's very quick, very explosive. He's made a lot of plays. I mean, he's had a, a really good start to his career and I, I certainly hope it continues. Is it too hard to play both like him? Yes. So, right. The, it, it's two very different positions between when I being a defensive end between first and 10 
in third and 10, right? Cause it's a different game. So on first and 10, you got to, you're obviously playing the run. You you've got to make sure you have outside contained so you don't get reach block. Um, you got to have some gap integrity. Uh, you got to pursue uh, in case there's any cutbacks, if it's some kind of zone uh, z- zone run to the other side of the field, you know, uh, you got to watch for traps, you got base blocks, all that kind of stuff. So it's just a different game. It's a different mindset uh, on third and 10. It's get to the quarterback. You know, the only thing you have to maybe worry about is a screen. And even then you still get to the quarterback and then, you know, reverse field to get uh, track the ball carrier down the, the running back who cut the screen down. So it's, it's a very, very different dynamic between um, being a first down, second down, third down defensive end, than just a third down pass rusher. And it's a lot more physical. It's a lot more wearing down. I think that's why I want Parsons to focus more off the ball in the early downs, but be a pass rusher on third down. Interesting. Now to our underdog matchups game of game to watch. Uh, it's not, this week for me, it's not so much as an underdog, but maybe I pull for the proverbial underdog in this matchup. I have the Raiders versus Chargers. Could be the biggest game of the week, I think we've said, but I'm pulling for the Chargers in this game. I believe they're going to win, and they're 2-1, and one, so let's... I don't. I know on paper, uh, Vegas odds, they are ahead, but uh, the Chargers, I have them slated to win this game. I think the Raiders have been on hot streak. Uh, they haven't really played anyone great. They played Baltimore early on, but that was right after Baltimore had had tremendous 14 players on IR, uh, you know, missing two star wide receivers, every running back that they ever owned, uh, starting cornerback, tons of injuries, and they took them to overtime. So if a team like that can take you to overtime, I think it shows a little bit of a chink in your armor. Um, Obviously, now they have got up to speed and they've pulled out some miracles. So, that is something to say, and I will say I'm tired of them winning at the last second or losing at the last second. It's getting very stressful, uh, but I digress. Back to my main point. I, I think it will be a tough game for both teams. Uh, the Raiders' pass rush has looked good. The Raiders' defense has looked fairly strong. Uh, their offense has looked capable. I know they had some injuries last week, but in my, my mind's eye, I see L.A., with Staley and Herbert as a more lethal combination than uh, Las Vegas with Gruden and Carr. So, that's yeah, I agree. I, that's where I'm sticking. I think that's a great pick, and I agree with you for those reasons you outlined right there. It can literally be Herbert versus Carr, in which case I go Herbert, like we talked about when we did our worst the first segment. So, my kind of underdog matchup, um, I'm going with. Minnesota, who's a slight underdog to Cleveland. I think Minnesota beats Cleveland. I think Cleveland's a little bit of a mirage, right? Um, they they had some struggles against Denver. It was, a, I'm, I'm sorry, against Houston. Then Tyrod Taylor got hurt. David Mills, the rookie, has to come in. Houston's not the same. They end up beating them. Uh, and then they beat a really, really bad Bears team like we already talked about. I can't tell you how good Cleveland is. I think they're not really anything special. I think they're a decent team. I don't think they're a great team. Um, at the same time, Minnesota, yeah, they're one and two, but you know they lost a brutal heartbreaker to Cincinnati week one, and they brought, lost an even more brutal heartbreaker to a very good Arizona team. They missed a chip shot field goal at the buzzer to win. They should be two and one. They're not. They're one and two. And the reason they're one and two is because last week they dominated a very good Seattle team, thirty to seventeen. 
you know, I look at Kirk Cousins, you know, good enough quarterback. Dalvin Cook is a superstar running back. They got Jefferson at wide receiver. They got Thielen. I'm a little worried about the defense, but they seem to get a little bit better, uh, especially the way they played against Russell Wilson last week. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you right now, I think I think Minnesota's got a little bit of a groove here. I think Cleveland's a little complacent. That's not a very mature organization, Cleveland. Baker's been up and down. I wouldn't be surprised Minnesota wins this game by 10 or 13 points. I think Minnesota pulls the upset here. Back to our original point, Baker has been in a lot of commercials this season, so. He needs to focus more. Focus might not be there. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think we'll see it this weekend. I think we'll see uh, Minnesota beat him. Now that we are completely warm, are you ready to go into our new final segment? This is a yep, speed round. Uh, this is what we're calling gut check. I'm going to read you from the list. Oof, it's a loud, loud motorcycle. Uh, I'll read you the list of this week's games. Uh, gut reaction. Maybe a small comment about each one if you feel like it, or just give me your gut reaction who the winner is going to be. All right. I will follow along with you, giving my opinions. Uh, are you ready? Let's do it. First, Jags, Bengals. Uh, Jags stink, Bengals. I agree. Uh, second, Titans, Jets. Jets stink, Titans. Easy, Titans. Lions, Bears. Uh, both stink, uh, picking Bears. I, I pick Lions. Colts, Dolphins. Uh, Colts are desperate, but I'm thinking Miami. They're too hot. Uh, Colts are too hurt. Uh, I agree. Uh, can't sprain both your ankles and still be effective. Uh, Dolphins. Browns, Vikings, I know you said Minnesota. I'm going to have to stray from the pack here. I think Browns. Uh, Washington, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. I would agree, but uh, I kind of want to say... Mm, no, I'd say Atlanta. Atlanta. Uh, Texans, Bills. Who you got? Uh, Bills, demolish them. Easy. 50 points. Uh, Giants, Saints. Uh, I think the Saints demolish them. Giants stink. Yeah, Giants, uh, probably the worst team in the NFL. Uh, Chiefs, Eagles. I think Chiefs demolish them. Eagles are really easy. Got to have a comeback game sometime. Yep. Um, Panthers, Cowboys. I think we, we both are on the same page with this one. Uh, Cowboys. Yep. Niners, Seahawks. I'm going Seattle here. I think I like Russell Wilson after the loss. I, you know... I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think the, the Seahawks have looked mortal, and I think the Niners have looked relatively strong, so I'm going to go with uh, the Niners here. Uh, Cardinals, Rams. Uh, Rams look tough to beat. Easy. MVP, Super Bowl pick. It, they, they look pretty unstoppable right now. Um, Steelers, Packers. Uh, Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers after week one has been on a mission. All, all the way back. Relax, everyone. He is back. Ravens, Broncos. I think Baltimore beats them. Denver's not for real. Yeah, Baltimore for sure. Uh, Bucks, Pats. Uh, we I've already picked uh, Tampa and the Bucks. Bucks as well for me. And finally, who do you think Raiders, Chargers? I think we're both on the same page here. Yeah, this is Chargers. Herbert over uh, Derek Carr. I agree with you. L.A. baby. All right, I think that was fun. Uh, we'll see. We're gonna keep track and. Uh, update our records throughout the season. I think both of us so far 3-0 and on our uh, underdog matchup picks, so that's very interesting. I think we both probably will win again this week. 
that was a great show. I would like to remind everybody, you can find us at Saturday Morning Inspection uh, on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you can't find it there, head on over to our website, smishow.com. All links to all of those pages will be there, and video, our latest videos will be on the site as well that you could watch. You can find anything you need to about the show there. Nick, I think it was another great show. Uh, I, I'm very pleased. Yeah, another great show. Good job, you. Good job, me. Uh, you know, ready for this week. Another great week of football. We're in the thick of it, and uh, let's go. Week four time. It is, we're finally getting it. Everyone's warmed up. All the teams are ready to go. We're in the thick of football, like you said, and I'm excited. We'll discuss it next week. I'll see you then. All right, man. See you then.